Welcome to another episode of Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Kirsten Holder, and today we're talking with Paloma Cisneros, Director of Children's Programs at the Latino Community Development Agency. Welcome, Paloma. Hey, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, we're so happy to have you. And I wanted to start with some introductions on you. So Paloma is originally from California. She is the first generation in her family to be born in the US and her parents are from Mexico. Paloma attended LA Mission College where she studied child development, gaining her AA in interdisciplinary studies, a bachelor's in human studies and a graduate course in public policy. Mm -hmm. Paloma has been working in the early childhood education field since 1999, starting as the Head Start program as a teacher assistant for Vaughn Charter School in California. She has also worked for Volunteers of America LA in several capacities before moving to Arizona to start to serve in the Akchin Indian community and their families as the early childhood education program manager in a tribal child development center. After two years in Arizona, she came to Oklahoma to work at Sunbeam Family Services as an institutional coach, where she has had the opportunity to be part of the Latino Community Development Agency as the program director for the Tony Reyes Bilingual Child Development Centers. Paloma is also a single mother of two beautiful boys, and we are so honored to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you once again. I know, sorry, long introduction. <laughs> no, it's all, you have done so much, and that's one of the reasons we're so excited to talk to you, all of your experience in not only Oklahoma, but different communities um, that you have served. So you mentioned that you never knew that you would work in this specific field, um, and you truly believe that you didn't choose the field, that the field chose you and I feel like that's very apparent um, the more that you've moved um, to different career opportunities in different states I feel like you really have that calling that has shown through in your work so I'd love to tell I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about why you feel that this field shows you um, well it started off with um, I actually used to say I wanted to be an FBI agent <laughs> so, um, and then I worked for corporate America when I was 18 19 and I wasn't happy. Um, I did customer service. I just, I, I, it was, I don't know. I made good money. I mean, you're third, what you're like 18, 19, making 14 bucks an hour with benefits and a 401k. And I wasn't happy. And so my mom said, Hey, you know, I know someone at Vaughn Charter School. Why don't you go and apply there and see if you, you know, you're going to like it. So I go and they gave me the job on the spot because I was bilingual. And so I started off as a teacher assistant making $8 and 50 cents, no benefits, um, no insurance, nothing. And I only got paid once a month and I basically worked part-time. And so I really liked it. I, I mean, I was an only child for 10 years and I didn't, I felt like I missed out on having siblings and stuff. And so I really liked it. And I said, I think I'm going to do this. And I just started taking child development classes and just started taking child development classes and I would learn. And then I would take it back to the classroom. And I had an awesome mentor um, who was part of the consortium for the state of California. And so I loved it. And then I just never left. And I, so I just always feel like I, I was there for a reason, you know? So I never left and it just kept going on. So I really liked it. That is beautiful. And I know anything you're doing where you feel like there's that true calling, it, it really shines through in the passion in your work. And that's what we are here to talk about today, that why behind the work. So for those of us that are unfamiliar, the Latino Community Development Agency is a nonprofit organization founded in Oklahoma City in 1991. 
LCDA's two dozen bilingual programs address the unique needs of Latino immigrants and Spanish-speaking people who relocate to Oklahoma from other states that collectively represent the fastest growing population sector in the state. Last year, LCDA served more than 35,000 unduplicated clients, and that number rose to over 50,000 when multiple interactions with the same client are countered. LCDA has a staff of just 85 located at two different sites within Oklahoma City. So Paloma, would you tell us what it means to be serving this community while working for LC LCDA, and why is the work that LCDA does so important? So when I moved here to Oklahoma, I, I don't have family here. I, I'm just, I'm here by myself. Um, when I started working for LCDA, it's like I felt like I belonged because I'm part of this community. I, I am first generation born here. My parents were immigrants, they didn't speak English. Um, they worked those two, three jobs. And, um, and so um, everybody looks up to me and my family. And so I could connect to that because now every, like everybody in the community looks up to LCDA. So we're just, um, you know, giving back by the work we do, doing interventions, early interventions. It starts with our program and early Head Start. Also, you know, we have the parents as teachers and we have our uh, health uh, intervention programs, plus other ones, mental health. I mean, we just have so many programs, but um, being able to encourage education at a young age, um, I think in our community, sometimes the focus is we need to, you need to be 18, go to work and we forget about education. But by being proactive through LCDA, I believe that we're gonna break generational poverty and be able to have more opportunity for um, you know, children and families in the Latino community. So I feel like the work LCDA is impactful and it's crucial for uh, you know, helping our community get ahead and have more opportunities. And opportunity starts with early ages uh, in education and intervention services, because we don't just serve as children, we serve as the family. So. Yes, and you have to. Children live with their families most of the time, so you have to be that well-rounded, holistic service, which I'm sure makes it harder, but so much well worth it. And like you said, you know how they feel. You've been in those shoes, so I'm sure that is all the more valuable when you are servicing those families as well. Yeah. So recently a ribbon cutting took place for one of two Nature Explore outdoor classrooms for the Tony Reyes Bilingual Child Development Center, which was funded in part by the EL and Thelma Gaylord Foundation. I'd love to hear a little bit more about these classrooms, what they look like, how they're used, why they're great tools for learning, all the things. So um, we were very fortunate that we got that grant um, through EL and Thelma Gaylord Foundation and um, also support from OKDHS Human Services. Uh, we really needed a new outdoor classroom. The playground we had was donated materials. It was outdated. It was 25 years old. It was kind of really just very not <laughs> intentional. And so um, it actually started four years ago when we went to the Nature Explorer Institute. I, I actually learned about this at the NACI conference 10 years ago. Um, when I was working for the Auction Indian community, they're very big on, you know, preserving nature and stuff. And so um, four years ago, we went to the Nature Explorer Institute, Sunbeam sent us, and um, we just were like, wow, you know, just, it wasn't even the, um, having the outdoor classroom, but the impact it, it provokes in children. So uh, we have a world that's fast paced and children are so in tune into technology, but we're forgetting about good old fashion outdoor play. We're forgetting that children need that creativity, that imagination, stimulation. Um, and so one of the things that we took from the Nature Explore Institute was children, especially like children with disabilities, are able to have a more calm, 
um, demeanor to them. They are able to focus more. Um, they're able to let out some of those high anxieties uh, with just good old nature. And it's, it's child-led, not teacher-led. It's, uh, let's say, um, I, I will give you a good memory that I have because I went to visit the outdoor classroom not too long ago. The children were like, there's a bird's nest in the bird in the tree. There's a bird nest. And I'm like, where? Where? And so they're showing us. They're like, what? And then I, so we're asking the questions like, what do you think it's doing? I think it's hatching eggs. Um, why do you think they're hatching eggs? Oh, because those are the so we're asking all these questions about the environment. We're also teaching them to be eco-friendly. You know, we live in an environment where uh, we talk about eco-friendliness or, um, you know, uh, what is that new term that they use about eco-friendliness? Um, preserving the environment. And so we see, I see sometimes children that walk by and they'll see litter, but we're teaching them like, when you see litter, you need to throw it away because we have to take care of mother nature. And so um, the outdoor classroom has intentional areas. It's an expansion of the indoor to the outdoor. And what it does is it has categorized area. We call it the 10 guiding principles or the guiding principles because they do have to have specifics. So every time um, I give a tour and I say, and this is the messy material area, they're like, oh, is that where they're gonna get full of mud? I said, no, that's the dirt digging area. And so it's kind of funny because the messy material area, what it is, is it's just cookie cut um, wood, uh, what is it, little small branches. Uh, the children can make mandalas, they can make a teepee, they can build a stick wood house. I mean, they have to use their imagination and sky's the limit. Um, the dirt digging area is so much fun because it's like the mud pit. Oh my goodness, um, at Tony Ray is one, we have one and the infants, they, the infants, toddlers, they just love splashing in there like it's a pool. Um, it's so much fun to see it. Uh, and I think sometimes also in our communities, like, don't let them get dirty. And, and I was like, you know, back in the days, everybody got dirty. I mean, I used to make mud pies with worms. And um, I think children forget that. And so, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, if you go in there and just see the kids just kind of, they take off their shoes and run there, um, you know, again, culturally, sometimes we're like, they're going to get hurt or they're going to cut themselves. But we have to teach children to be resilient. And the way we teach them is by allowing them that it's okay, you're going to fall, you're going to get up, you know, you're going to brush it off. But those are experiences. I mean, I can't, I can name so many scars I have when I was a kid. And I feel like this generation is forgetting about good old fashioned play. And so there's just a lot of stuff gardening, we do gardening, climbing, um, we have the sand area and the dirt digging area. They're very differently used. Uh, we have the messy material in the building area. We have the dramatic play. Um, we're in the process of adding a couple of new things to our Tony Ray's uh, facility. When we went to Nature Explorer recently, I was like, oh man, we can add more. We can add this. We need this. And every time we go to Nature Explorer, the Institute is just, it's just so wonderful. Like you just get this whole vibe and you just understand it and I tell everybody man if you guys can all go to uh, Nature Explorer do it it's like one of those you can't explain it you can only experience it moments and um, I had a staff who went with me she said you know I came back closed mind I, I went closed-minded and I came back liberated and free and I, I don't know what that meant to her but she said after we did the silent nature walk I felt liberated like butterflies are just flying out of me. I don't know what that means, but I was like, yeah, nature can do that to you. So, but that's kind of the purpose behind it. We really love it. Um, both of our centers are different because of the age groups. Uh, the one that um, we had the ribbon cutting uh, is inside the Tony Reyes to in, in the LCDA, the original Tony Reyes uh, site. So that's for ages three to five. The one that's at our Western location is for like infant toddlers and two. So we are mindful of age appropriateness. And as we were doing this a whole nature explore outdoor, we had trial and error with Tony Ray is one. So some of the materials were like that, 
might not be so great for a toddler, you know? And so we had to like play around with it. But now I think we're, we're everything we have is just, it's just perfect, you know? So I really love it. Oh, I love watching you talk about nature. If anyone listening, go to our website and watch this video because like you had mentioned, the butterflies coming off. I mean, as you're talking, it, I can see that. I mean, it's yeah. it, that is what nature does to you. We all need that creative outdoor unlimited play. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I love it. So how does LCDA and the Tony Reyes Bilingual Child Development Development Center work with Sunbeam to ensure they're reaching families that need these services? Um, so Sunbeam um, has the federal grant through Head Start and Early Head Start. And so they are our grantee. And the way our partnership works is we collaborate as far as like uh, outreach and uh, we call it uh, recruitment. And so when we go out to uh, fairs or whatnot, we'll take information. We don't do the selection criteria that goes through the federal government guidelines and we try to service the family that is the highest of the highest of need uh, children with special needs family that may be homeless or below the poverty federal guidelines and so we try to service the family that needs the most um, i love this partnership because it's through a referral as well like lcda will refer um, we work as a team and I, you know i mentioned that we service the whole family so one of the things that Sunbeam provides is the comprehensive services. And we also provide them at LCDA. So we work in partnership. A lot of it, we, you know, we have a lot of bilingual families or monolingual families who only speak Spanish. And so we want to connect those services, but we do service the whole, the whole family because when we see a, the whole child, the whole child is the whole, it's the whole family unit with the child in the middle, you know? And so we're very big on that. We do a lot of uh, parenting classes and you know, we provide, like I said, referral services, whether it goes to Sunbeam LCDA or the community. Um, we do have a big waiting list right now. Uh, we just, we're just very sought out because of the bilingual aspect. Um, it's very important in our community language preservation. When I used to work for um, auction Indian community, I used to think it was just the Native American language being lost. And, you know, now I come here and we're in a bilingual center and I realize even just the bilingual the Spanish and English sometimes is being lost. And so that's where we get a lot of sought out. Um, but yeah, the first point of, of contact is Sunbeam. I mean, actually it'll be our, our, the first point of contact we ever get from a family will be that phone call. Hi, I wanna enroll my child. And then I have to refer them to Sunbeam. Um, we have a family support on, on site. We have, you know, they provide a, a instructional coach and then um, they provide also like a community director that works with us to get the families enrolled. Uh, our first day when the parents walk in, sun, a Sunbeam representative is there and so is a Tony Reyes to make the families feel welcome and they understand the educational piece and then you know the, the support piece as well. So that's kind of how the collaboration works. We kind of work out throughout the whole year. So I just, I kind of feel like they're there all the time. So it's like, oh yeah, we're just like one big family. So. <laughs> that's good to hear because you're both doing great work, but you have different assets. You mentioned language preservation and it just got me thinking, I can't even imagine having to communicate some of these very sensitive and personal, you know, issues or worries or, you know, goals in my non-native language. Yeah. I can imagine how important it is to have LCDA really being that communicator of needs um, from, from, you know, the very core of what that, that family's language is. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that's why we're very sought out in our community because, you know, they bring the children in or they come in that one day and they said, but I want them to come here because you understand what I'm, you know, what I'm saying. 
Um, so we've had a lot of uh, families and we're looking to uh, expand our program as well because we have just a big need in the community for more of our services, which is very right. sought out. We're, you know, we have a big waiting list, so. Right, right. Well, you guys are doing good work. That is so great. And you mentioned many of the children and families you serve are from low-income families, maybe parents working multiple low-wage jobs to make ends meet. Um, I'd like to expand a little bit more on why it's so important that these kids specifically have access to outdoor learning opportunities. So a lot of the children that are in our, in our program, um, sometimes they, the families rent one room and there's, you know, the room and maybe it's mom and three kids or they live with other relatives or they live like in a um, apartment complex that may not have too much outdoor uh, you know, opportunities or a park's not nearby, or maybe they have to get a ride to come and pick up their children. We have several different situations. Um, also with COVID, I think a lot of people forgot about nature. Like they're just, they were just kind of hibernating, like, oh, I don't want to get contaminated. Um, but so for licensing, they licensing, NACI, Early Head Start, all the best practice, tells us that, that children should have one to two hours minimum in the outdoor environment. It's just mm -hmm. the minimum. Uh, there's many things that we can do outdoor, but the important reason why we should have an outdoor classroom is exposure to just good old nature. Like um, it goes back to what I said, moving their muscles and being able to have that imagination and creation. I really feel like when we um, shatter a child's imagination, we shatter dreams. And so children can be dreamers if they don't have the opportunity to have opportunity to dream, you know? And so um, the outdoor experience is just, it's, it's a, depending on the diverse living conditions of our community. Um, I know that there's a, I've seen a couple communities. I'm from California. In California, I think we have more sidewalk in some of the communities. It's like, don't go bike riding. The cars couldn't run you over, you know? And so uh, we just have to encourage good old bike riding, good old picking up twigs, gardening, I have a five-year-old who goes out there and landscapes with me. I mean, he loves it. He loves it. But he got to go to Tony Reyes uh, one, and he got to en enjoy the nature explore uh, outdoor classroom. And so, as since he was an infant, and so I do see the benefits of it. He goes out there barefooted, like he doesn't care. Um, he'll pick up twigs and start saying, "Mom, it's because I'm look at me. I'm you know shoveling." And so. Um, my oldest didn't have that exposure. And so I do, in my own data collection at home, I see the differences. And so um, even in our, in our community, when we had give children that outdoor exposure, we see the difference in resilience. So they're more uh, prone to be, again, you know, eco-friendly, love the environment, take care of animals. Um, instead of, I, I learned this at the Nature Explorer Institute, which I told the teachers, I know we're usually like, ah, there's a bee, it's going to bite us and we run. Um, and so they were telling us that, no, we got to teach them that bees are good for the environment and how to help them fly into their hive. And I'm like, I don't know that I want them flying in their hive and landing on me. You know? <laughs> but, um, but there's just those little things. And um, we teach them concepts. They're not just learning to go out there and run around. They're learning about, you know, sight, smell, um, you know, what is it, the life cycles, like when we had fruit trees at Tony Ray is one. And so they're learning like when this, uh, it's spring, the fruit tree is turning green, the leaves are, you know, coming in. Um, let's keep, let's count how much time it's going to take to get that first apple. And then when they're there, teacher, teacher, I want my apple. Uh, we've, we've had them pick up the peaches, wash them and eat them and just enjoy mm -hmm. them. And so uh, that's what we're trying to teach the kids to take care of, and, you know, just use what we have and, but enjoy it. And 
it doesn't cost anything to be in the outdoors, which I love. I mean, we talk about there's no, I don't have money for toys. I don't have money to go to Frontier City. You don't need money. You can just go to the park and let your child just lead the play. You know, we can pick up acorns and um, imagine something with the acorns. Um, you can pick up twigs and create something with those twigs. Uh, so there's just so many. I feel like it's sky's the limit. Um, I mean, I just, we went to Nature Explorer and I'm, like I said, it just, woof, every time I go over there, it blew my mind. Even my teenager who didn't want to go out there and play, I let him, I said, okay, well, we're going to the actual outdoor classroom here in Nebraska City. And then he was like, oh, mom, it's really, and so he got there and the first thing he did was going to the messy material area. He goes, that is so cool. Is that a teepee? I said, I don't know what that is. And then, so then he grabbed the stick and he's like, mom, this is how um, Darth Vader, you know, would use his lifesaver. So he's using his imagination out there. I didn't say anything. I just kind of let him go with it. And then um, they had some really cool stuff where he, he was like, mom, this makes me feel like I'm inside a Fortnite video game, but this is like the live <laughs> version, you know? And so I just kind of went with it. I let them just climb and, you know, role play and whatever. And so it's the same concept. Um, you know, we, we, we're going to be doing something similar that we did at Tony Reyes 2 where the ribbon cutting, but we're going to do Tony Reyes 1 with the families. We've been trying to plan that um, for a couple of weeks now. And because we're supposed to show the families the the outdoor classroom. We did that at Tony Reyes too, but we haven't done it at Tony Reyes one. And what we want to do is have them actually experience the play. And um, we forget to be kids when we become adults. And I think that's a very important aspect of being a parent that sometimes we're like, well, I'm too tired, you know, that's kid stuff. But we also have to, you know, connect ourselves with nature so that the children can enjoy just going out for a park, walk in the park, picking up stones, painting stones with water. I mean, we do this whole calendar for the parents to be able to do simple things like that that are zero to no cost, you know? Mm. So, well, zero cost, no cost. Yeah, we, we um, are big on not having them spend money, but we want to do more. Um, I've seen like Tinker Garden is like one of those outdoor that they do, but our families can't afford to do that. So we're going to try and teach those lessons for them without having to pay for it, but they can still do it, so... I love that because play and imagination are free. They yeah. really are. Like you're mentioning, go count acorns, go use your imagination. And, and we do need to do that more as adults. So maybe we can work on modeling that and then our kids can kind of get the concept as well. I know. I, I always, uh, what is it? I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, man, we don't even do hopscotch anymore. I don't even know if they do that <sighs> in elementary schools. I said, I don't remember one single day where I didn't go outside and play. Like I played soccer and I remember I got a, a thorn stuck in my foot one time and they had to take it out because I stepped on it. I would just you know, good old outdoor play and sweating. I mean, we wouldn't come in till what is it? The lights came down. Yes. <laughs> now, now kids don't want to go out there because it's too hot and they want to be on their video games. But right. just, that's what we're trying to um, educate the parents at an early age so that children can continue this type of, uh, you know, environment and play and advocate for like when they go to the park and they see something that they're able to say, no, no, you know, that, that we need to pick that up because we're hurting mother nature or don't kill that, that animal. Let's call it animal, you know, or what is it, animal control or whatever to help them get off the tree or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So that kind of stuff, just being able to take care of plants and animals and just the environment. Um, yeah. Even the snakes, I mean, they had, we had, uh, I mean, I don't like snakes, but even that they're saying that we're not supposed to kill them. We're supposed to like call animal control to help them, you know, go back to their environment. So I was like, what? So, <laughs> You're like, as long as I don't have to look or touch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
They were talking about that when we went to the Institute and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, we, we're seeing it in, in the, in the different perspective. We're seeing it like it's freaking us out, creeping us out <laughs> instead of like, no, they're part of nature and there's a reason why they're here. So right. goes back to that. Yeah. Yes. The whole cycle, it's all related. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, but this is wonderful. But this is wonderful. Like, um, like I said, I want the parents and families to do this at an early age. So, um, and it's, it's a good benefit, you know? Absolutely. Yes. I just feel like getting that fresh air and sunshine can change oh, yeah. your mood, can change your outlook, both parents free vitamin and kids. D. Yeah. Free vitamin D, you know? Yes, exactly. Free vitamin D. Well, and as I understand it, both outdoor learning centers that you work with have accreditations from the Oklahoma State Department of Human Services and the National Association for the Education of Young Children. I'd like to know, um, you kind of mentioned where they're located, but if you could give us a little bit more of a description on where they're located, um, again, what ages they serve and why those accreditations are important. Um, so we have our Early Head Start program that's located on Southwestern and 59th, and that is Early Head Start serves birth to about when they turn three. Once they turn three, they do transition out of our program. Uh, the majority of them go to Tony Reyes two, which is inside LCDA off of South Walker and 10th. Um, or they go to a Head Start program. It just, it really depends on the family's uh, proximity of the centers. So they, they'll choose whatever's closest to them. Um, why, they're in, why they're accredited? Because accreditation requires us to have the highest of quality. It's a lot of centers are accredited, but not all of them are NACI accredited. NACI is very hard to get. I will tell you that it is very uh, demanding and, and that's okay because that just shows us that we're at the higher standard um, DHS right now, they're going, the Department of Human Services, they're going through a new uh, star system. We're currently in the process of submitting our five stars, um, which will be the highest ranking uh, or criteria. We're very confident we're going to hopefully get this. Um, but having those two gives us, it raises the bar. Now for early Head Start, it's infant toddlers and twos. And when they turn three, um, we do the children that come at birth, they usually, I say birth is like six weeks, but we have gone kids that are like four weeks, five weeks. Um, we will keep them until they're three. And so they have that continuity of care with the same provider, unless the provider leaves us, but they're there with the same teacher for those three years. And then they go on to our, uh, it's called, uh, it's kind of like an immersion preschool program inside LCDA. And they'll stay with us three to four um, some parents decide to leave when they're four, they want to go to the public school. Some say, no, I think I'd like them to stay there and learn the Spanish because we have a Spanish immersion program there. Mm -hmm. So they'll stay there uh, two years or, and then when they go to uh, preschool or kinder. Um, so it just really depends. It also depends on their age. So, cause the public schools after September, they do the cutoff, but what does it mean to be accredited? And, um, it just means that we hold ourselves to the highest standard. And um, we're actually certified through the Nature Explore Institute. That's our outdoor uh, classrooms had to be certified through them. It's not costly to get the certification. What's more tedious is the requirements because this was new facility. So we had to submit the blueprint design. Um, we had to get staff and parents trained about in regards to what it is to have a Nature Explore outdoor classroom. Uh, we did have to do that community event and then um, after that, we had to make sure we at least fell into the minimum of the 10 guiding principle criteria that they require with photos of each section labeled and, and whatnot. So all of that came into effect. Um, it was a one-year process that we had to do because uh, we were rebuilding the, the you know, playground to outdoor classroom. 
so once that was done, we were, we submitted everything. And I mean, we, we got a response within a week. And so we were really happy that we got double certified. We're like, yay, finally work paid off. And so everybody was really happy because it's, it's just, it's a big, um, it's a big deal for us in the Latino community to be a nature explorer certified outdoor classrooms. Uh, I look at a lot of schools that are research-based and, um, you know, they have all this certifications and stuff. And it's very, our percentile of Latino school or schools that serve the Latino community are very minimal. And so for us to do it here in Oklahoma, it was, for me, it was a big honor to do it and represent our community. That is an honor. I love hearing you talk about that. And just because I'm curious, do you know any of those 10 guiding principles off the top of your head? Oh, yeah. It's uh, so the climbing area, the uh, sand area, the dirt digging area, the dramatic play or music area, um, the building area. Um, what is it? The gathering area and then the gardening area, um, that action area the water play area, and I think it's the building area. So those are like the 10, um, what is it, minimum uh, guiding principles. We have additional one, which is the storage. Having storage gives you extra points. Um, having like a bike path gives you extra points. Um, so it's not the it's not the required, they're considered supplementals. And so we have, we, we met the criteria for everything. We also have like trees and stuff. And so we did meet the criteria for everything. Um, we were very intentional when we were doing our design because uh, the age groups and one of the things we really, it was actually our consultant who came up with this, like, well, you guys wouldn't want to have like a soccer field. And we're like, uh, we don't know. I'm like, yeah, I guess if we can count it as the action area. He's like, you know, cause I mean, he goes, I don't want to stereotype you but Latinos do love to play soccer. And then I said, you know what, we really love soccer. Soccer is a big deal, you know, so, you know, go on, you know, and so um, we put that in there and the kids love it. So, you know, we just love it. So that is so fun. I love hearing about all this. I'm like, my wheels are turning on how I can do some of this in my own backyard. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and that kind of leads me to my next question. I'd love some ideas or lessons that we can take from this model, from these 10 guiding principles to encourage outdoor learning with our own kids in our own spaces. Could you give a few examples of how this can be done at home or maybe a few ideas for outdoor learning in the fall and winter months as the weather starts getting colder as well? Oh yeah, for sure. So um, like we can, for gardening, for instance, you can have like a four by four or you don't even have to have a four by four. You can have a little section, just call it the gardening area. Um, you can have uh, for dirt digging area. I mean, you can just get a little, like a little bucket or what do they have those like, um, I've seen those like sand little boxes. You can put dirt in there and let them just add water, let them get all muddy. And there's just so many things that you can do. Um, I think a lot of people have asked like, how much does it cost? It's really on, depending on how creative you can be and what resources you can get for free in the community. Um, one of the, I'll, I'll share this because we just found out this in the Nature Explorer Institute was, I feel like here in Oklahoma for the average person, I mean, all of us can do the, our research, but if we were to want this type of model to be replicated, we need to follow in LAUSD's um, steps. They are one of the largest school districts in the nation, and they have more than 50% of their early child care programs with Nature Explorer certified classrooms. Their governor just donated $1.3 billion to this initiative. They are very big, uh, and these are neighborhoods that don't even have like trees or anything. There's like high-risk neighborhoods. Um, I, was, I was there at the Nature Explorer, like I keep mentioning the Institute because I just recently went, but they did this presentation and some of the communities, I mean, all you see is apartments like houses and no parks nearby 
but their, their community, meaning their childcare centers or early childcare centers, I don't know what they call them, they call them ECCs, but their Head Start programs, they all created that and they use everyday stuff like um, used tires, they made it into like little, um, like little crawl through uh, tunnels and they painted them, they uh, made them, they tailored it to the likings of the children. I really loved this one thing they did and I think this will uh, answer your, a little bit of your question. So they asked the children, what do you think our outdoor nature classroom should be? They're like, you know, we don't live close. We live close to the beach, but some of us don't have the luxury to go to the beach. What if we had a beach like in our center? So they did the sand area, like a beach area. And they put like, like two little um, cute chairs for the kids to sit down with their sunglasses. And then they're like, we need to have a zoo. And so they uh, painted some of these tires like zebras and whatnot. And they put it all around so the children can walk through them and then they did one about gardening and then they were like we need an exercise bike so they made some like exercise bikes out of like pipe like pipes or like uh, those tubes they look they just look like they're exercising it was just so adorable but it's really whatever the child thinks we need in the outdoor you just bring it into the outdoor um and like for instance at my house right now i'm trying to do this gardening bed and so we've been landscaping. So we've been working a lot in this gardening area, but um, hopefully we'll get this landscaping going. Uh, the weather's been too hot, but you can get everyday things. Like you can go to the park, pick up twigs, pick up, um, what is it? Like acorns. What else do we have out here? I'm just trying to think because I haven't been to the park. The leaves, we do leaves collages. Uh, you just bring different materials and let the kids just kind of do what they have to do with it or let them imagine what they got to do with it. The other thing they do um, that we did was paint with mud, paint with mud. Um, and then also the other thing we did, I love this, the teacher just did this not too long ago. She grabbed a, uh, like a paper and got plastic hammers for the children to uh, mush the flower petals. And then they put it on paper to do an imprint, like imprint mm -hmm. art out of the everyday uh, petals that fell for on the floor. And so it's just kind of, it's, it's not like a, a it's kind of hard to answer that question because there's not like one right or wrong answer. It's like you can do everything and anything. Um, but if you go onto the Nature Explorer uh, website, they have a lot of, they'll show you like different playgrounds and or outdoor classrooms is what we like to call them. We don't like to call use the word playground. It's the outdoor classroom. They have a lot of uh, ideas and whatnot. Some of them are actually out of a uh, home. Some of them are at uh, daycares or faith-based facilities. One thing that a, a, a presenter said was, we don't have a lot of nature stuff. Some of it is plastic. And she said, and I feel like we're not connecting it to nature. And they said, well, you can apply a little bit of Montessori with nature and Montessori is all about child, you know, play driven and connect that to nature. And it doesn't have to be plastic. It is what it, you make it what you present, you know? And so uh, it's a lot of imagination. We have a hammock too. A hammock is part of nature. You just go out there and let the vitamin D, you can use loops. Um, I've seen them at the dollar store to go look at insects and pick up roly polies. That's what kids kind of like to do or those ladybugs, um, pick up flowers, put them in a vase and see, you know, uh, plant seeds and see how long it takes to grow. There's just so many things you can do with nature. Uh, my favorite is still the mud pit. I love when the kids go and get dirty in the mud pit. I mean, I, I would be okay with official mud day every day. Um, I really <laughs> love that. Uh, I like the climbing area too, but the mud pit is so much fun because you just see those kids just splash in there like it's a pool. So they love it. Um, I love that one. Um, I like the action area because you can do hula hop, you can do parachute play. 
um, you know, stop and go. I think people forgot about like red light, green light. They forgot about those good old games. And so those are things you do at the action area. The art area can be really anything. You can make art, like I said, out of uh, collecting leaves, talking about the changes of leaves. They do encourage us that when it snows, we, we tend to not do this sometimes, just like I said uh, earlier, um, it's kind of like a culture thing. Don't go outside, you're gonna get sick. But they encourage us to get those kids with like rain boots or snow boots and let them play out in the snow. Let them experience the weather changes to not limit it. Even rain days, they, they said it's, it's recommended they go and experience that when the weather comes out and let them play helps build their immune system. But I think uh, it's a kind of like a generational cultural thing. Oh, they're gonna get sick. The, the water that just came down is the coldest and it's gonna get them sick. They're gonna have the flu tomorrow. And um, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> and it's like a culture thing or, or it's cold and you wrap the child up so much that they, can't, they can barely see. And, um, and so I think it's just a culture thing. But I, I, what I think families don't realize is they have a better immune system if they're out there than if they're in here with the heater or the air condition. So let them just kind of have that. So those are things that we, um, we're excited if it snows this year, the kids have done, um, what is it, ice cone? Ice, ice, ice cone? Ice cones, yeah. They picked up the ice cream and the teacher has made it with the vanilla and all that and wow. they tried ice cones before. Okay. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of fun things to do with, with the snow. So where we hope we get snow this year, we don't know. But I don't want to have a winter storm where there's no electricity, just enough True. snow that, that the kids can scoop it up and play with them. So. True. This last year was nice. We had light, fluffy <laughs> snow. We'll hope for that yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, and it is so important. I mean, you kind of, you mentioned the mud pits a couple of times. It just got me thinking like, you know, it's it's tactile. It's um, muscle building. When you're digging, you, you are kind of working your muscles. You're working your brain in that engineering way. There's just so many different senses and, and you know, kind of like brain muscles. You're flexing and that kind of thing. And, and each season provides that kind of adventure and challenge. Like with the snow, you can do the same kind of thing. It's just in a different format. I feel like we do steam outside. We just don't call it steam in the Nature Explorer, but they do do a lot of that math, cognitive, the art, the science, you know, um, even technology. I mean, it's not like technology, like my phone, but it's technology. Like I have a shovel. Somebody had to create it. It's a technology, you know? Ooh. So um, yeah, we do a lot of that measurements and whatnot. So yeah, I, I, I think, I don't think about it as much because um, I'm just like, we do this every day. I mean, we're doing best practice. We're following all the objectives that we're required to, you know, the math, the science, the language, but I never think about this theme until right now that you brought that. I was like, oh yeah, we do do a lot of that. We do building and then problem solving. And you know, what happens if we add this? What happens if we take this away? What do you think you'll feel like, you know? So one thing that um, used to scare our parents was the infants putting mud in their mouth. Like, no, cause they're gonna, they're gonna get poisoned. And then um, when we went to the Institute, they're like, it's mud, it's okay. They're gonna probably spit it out, you know? So, yeah, they might not do it again too. After yeah. Ones. Yeah. So, I'm like, so that, that's pretty cool. And um, the infants, I mean, once they start sitting up, they love taking off their shoes and just like, you just see their feet go like this in the dirt. They're just like rubbing their feet and they're like, oh yes, I love this, this feeling, you know, That's so awesome. I love, I love seeing that every time I see them, I'm like, oh yeah, they're having that sensory moment or like, yes, yes, my feet feel good. I'm like, if they were at the beach, they would probably put their feet in the sand too, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, they love that. I love that. Yes. And there's so much learning at those early ages by feeling and, and yeah. experiencing. So I just love that. I do have a book here um, too. It's from the Nature Explorer, but it's like, uh, if people would like some resources. This is called Learning with Nature Book. And it just gives you a little bit of the introduction to the guiding principles. Um, it just kind of 
if anybody's like looking to like maybe have this in their home or at another facility, this will be like the first steps. You read through it and you say, okay, how can I replicate? And then you got to go Google and Pinterest and okay, who has what? Who has what? What can I afford to put? What can I justify to make it count? But I don't have to spend a lot, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's great. And where can we get that book? Did you say? It's at an, 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 the Nature Explore website. So it's like Nature Explore, you know, Perfect. I'm not marketing for them, but I'm just letting yes. you guys know that that's, that's it's a good resource. Uh, yeah, it's a good resource. And um, it has like the intro, because I know a lot of people always ask like, what specifically do I need to have for certification? It's very simple. Honestly, it's just getting every, for us, it was more, um, we had to knock down our entire playground. And so, and turn it into an outdoor classroom, because there was a lot of old it was old it was really old and falling apart so but um our experience isn't going to be everybody's experience at tony ray's when we didn't have that problem we just needed to figure out what fits this age category so it just took us a little longer because funding and um you know we just needed to make sure okay we're gonna do it we got to do it right and so that that was the only reason why it took us a little longer uh, but other than that, it's really not that hard. It's just, you just have to meet the criteria. A lot of people, um, I think there's somebody in Oklahoma that has it certified in their house um, as well. So, you know, that's, it's an awesome thing to do. So Very. it's probably a fun project too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Building it, I think was, is a lot of fun too. And the planting and all of that. Yes. So I think I know the answer to this question, Paloma, but um, I'd love to just give you the opportunity to answer through all of the challenges that you and many of your families face, um, you know, economically from monetary perspective, just hours in the day and having to get everything done. Um, what gives you and your families hope every day to continue on this mission of outdoor learning? Um, well, for me, it's like knowing that we taught something small and they took it with them forever, you know, um, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, they still come back and they say, can I still play in your outdoor classroom, you know, um, or they come and visit us. We have a couple kids that we got them when they were birthed, like, you know, babies, they're five, six months old. Now they're five, six years old and they come and visit us still like, hey, Miss Paloma, I'm here to visit, you know, my, my, my school, you know, that's still their school. And we're their first education experience. So I think it stays with them forever. Mm -hmm. um, I always say parents are the first teachers, but we are their first like real life educators, I guess. And um, in our community, a lot of people don't know this, but um, teachers play a high role. Um, I lived in Mexico for three years. And I remember that um, my grandmother made te the teachers were like, like if they were the president of the United States, you know, they, uh, they play the biggest role in, in, I mean, my grandma even would have a feast and stuff. And so I think that's how sometimes the uh, parents and children see us like we, we are that important person because we're shaping their minds at an early age. Um, we're introducing them to things that maybe they won't be introduced to later on. So I, I mean, anything we introduce them to now, whether it's the nature explore, whether it's the bilingual aspect, they won't forget that. They don't forget us. I know they don't forget us because we still have them coming back and visiting us. So, and um, it gives me hope because I'm really proud of like knowing that we just changed people's lives with some small gesture, um, one interaction, or just, you know, giving them the time, you know, to be in our program. So I, I really, that's one of the amazing things about this field. Um, there used to be a model at my old company that I worked years ago, they used to say, why do you work where you work? You don't even get paid well. And I said, because I can't imagine not doing the work. You know, mm -hmm. I just can't imagine not doing this work. It doesn't, it's not, a, it's, it's never about how much we, um, our reward comes with changing lives. That's where our reward comes, you know. 
Oh, that is so beautiful. You are so inspiring. I'm all my creativity is like blooming right now, and and your passion is shining through in this podcast. And oh just such a pleasure getting to I get know emotional you. too. I'm like, oh, let me try not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I do get emotional. Yeah, it's I, I you know, I, I, I always look back. I, I started in this field really young, like 19, and now I have, I have students that are in college. They graduate, and they, they'll look me up on Facebook. Hey, Miss, you know, they used to call me Missy's Nettles. Missy's Nettles you know, are you still in this field, you know, so I'm like, man, I feel old now, but, but proud, you know, I've had a couple of them have been gifted, and just really proud, like, I'm just like, man, I changed somebody's life, and I think that's what I look for, I love the fact that um, our parents are our biggest advocates and supporters, like, everybody that comes through our program, we, I mean, I, that's how we, people learn about us, like, hey, my so-and-so friend sent me over here, because you guys are amazing, you know, and so, but yeah, but seeing those little ones still come back and knock on our door is the best, you know, and that they don't forget the, you know, whatever it is we did. Oh, remember when we were outside? I'm like, I, I man, we went outside so many times. I don't remember, but yeah, I remember. So. <laughs> They'll never forget how you made them feel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we have an amazing team. I mean, our teachers are amazing. Um, they all wear their heart on their sleeve. They are amazing nurturers. And uh, before we get off this podcast, I do have to give them kudos because without them, we wouldn't have a program. And the biggest thing that Tony Reyes, you know, bilingual child development stands out, not only the bilingual aspect, but the interactions that teachers have with the children. That's what we stand out for. So it's beautiful, Paloma. All of this has just been beautiful. I so appreciate the work that you do, the passion that you have for it. You listening to your calling over the money in that very early, you know, young life, that's a big decision to make. And it clearly is the one that was fitting and so needed for our community. We're so thankful for you and the team and all the work you all do. So it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, learning more about LCDA. Um, and for those of us listening, you can learn more on their website, lcdaok.com. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. You have a great day. You too. And you join us next time on Raising OKC Kids. <laughs>